Here at Waterstone, we focus on living and loving like Jesus. In practice, this means that we connect with one another, engage in justice, and serve sacrificially. We are so glad that you're here and invite you to join us in person. If you're able to attend weekend services, we gather on Saturdays at 5.30 and Sundays in person and online at 10. We look forward to connecting with you. We want to welcome in our online audience watching uh, around the country. And um, if, oh, there's a lot of sickness going around our communities. If you're home and you're not well this morning, Jesus be with you and may you heal quickly. If it's just a pancake church for you this morning, enjoy. We're glad you've joined us. But remember, we're not a whole family until you're with us. So um, we'd love to have you back. Before we um, look at our text this morning, um, you've heard the news that there's been a massive earthquake. It's interesting that our text, right, is about an earthquake today, and it's in a very near region to where this earthquake happened. So we're going to take a moment in prayer. Keith Swartley, one of our global partners, sent me an email and uh, from a group on the ground there, and just the stories that were healing, uh, a story of a father who've lost 25 of his near and extended family. Um, there's a story of a baby, maybe you've heard of it, that was rescued uh, with the umbilical cord still attached to a dead mom. And uh, it's, just, it's just apocalyptic in scale. So we want to take a moment because as a church, uh, we, we engage and we pray and we give. Um, but uh, this morning, we'll just have a few moments of prayer from Psalm 46. I'm just going to read it slowly. You take words that come to you, and you pray those words for this situation in Turkey and Syria. As the Spirit leads you, pray these words to people there. Let's pray. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Though, therefore, sorry, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells, and God is within her, she will not fall God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. God lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. 
God's people say together, amen, amen. We continue our journey through early, original, authentic Christianity in the book of Acts, this unprecedented movement that swept the empire at the deign and design of Jesus in Acts 1-8, who said, I will empower you, the church, with my spirit, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the world. Did I say empire? I meant empires. It continues today. And uh, do you know what comes after Acts 1-8? Thank you. I knew. See, I knew someone. Last night they did that too. And I just, they're, they're the um, boy. <laughs> For those of you watching online, some really kind of rude person said Acts 1-9 here. So. <laughs> it's actually the first panel of action in Acts. It is the ascension. That moment when Jesus, and the Greek word is very picturesque, was hoisted back into heaven, where he sat down at the Father's right hand, his work complete to rule history and the world. Ascension. Happy Ascension Day! May 18th, 2023. The lights will soon appear in Walmart and Target. Ascension lights and Ascension trees will be at Jared's. And Ascension chocolate bunnies will be available at King Supers. Happy Ascension Day! Woo! No? No? Why not? Yes, thank you. Could it be because that's the day as one great preacher of our generation, Barbara Brown Taylor, said, Ascension Day? Isn't that the day that Jesus left us behind? What exactly happened on Ascension Day? Well, two things. This is really rich, folks. The first thing that happened is that on Ascension Day, Jesus sat down on the throne to rule. And you understand, right, that he sat down in a resurrected physical body. You understand, right, that now flesh and bone Dust of the earth sits on the throne. You understand, right, that in that, all human flesh, knowing Jesus, is redeemed. And it's good enough that Jesus himself would choose to keep a physical body for the rest of eternity. That's good news. But secondly, you understand what happened in the the ascension is this great reversal This is really, really interesting. In Psalm 68, there's kind of a prediction to this idea of ascension that Jesus would embody. When you read Psalm 68, when you ascended on high, you took many captives, you received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. The idea is that in the ancient world, when a king ascended to the throne, everyone had to bring a gift to him. Their gift of loyalty and allegiance and their gifts of money and treasures, even the rebellious, everyone has to acknowledge that the king is now on the throne. So Paul, writing about the ascension in Ephesians chapter 4, he quotes this passage, but get the twist. Look at what he does in Ephesians 4. 
But to each one of us in the church, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, and now he quotes Psalm 68. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Do you see what Paul does there? In Psalm 68, it says the king receives gifts. In Ephesians 4, after the ascension, it says the king gives gifts. He gives gifts. In other words, ascension power is the king, this new, eternal, resurrected king, now giving gifts to the church. Why? So that ascension power can flow through the church. How? Through you and I, it says in the rest of Ephesians, being equipped for ministry and then living lives in the full measure of Jesus Christ. Jesus living in us and through us is ascension power. You understand, right, that that is why the church exists. We exist to carry Jesus' mission forward into our lifetimes and into through our children in their lifetimes, through, through the rest until Jesus comes. We live ascension power in us and through us. So today in Acts 16, you've heard the text read, what we get a glimpse of is what ascension power looks like as it comes through us. Are you ready? Happy Ascension Day. Today, we're going to see the ascension power. So let me tell this story. I'm going to race through this. And then two takeaways at the end. So we're in Acts chapter 16. It's the year 49 A.D., 0049 A.D. You understand, right, that the ascension happened in roughly 33 A.D., so we're 16 years past the first ascension, ascension day, and amazing things are happening. There's these two guys named Paul and Silas, important leaders already in the early church, and they are, as we talked about last week, now taking this great letter from the Jerusalem Council back around to the churches in southern Turkey when... Paul has a vision from Jesus, and the vision is there's a guy over in Greece, Macedonia, saying, help us over here, come over here. And Paul takes that vision as from Jesus, and guess what? The gospel's going to Europe. Woo! Europe. So they catch some ships, and they sail some waters, and they go to Greece. They get to Greece, and they walk about 10 miles in on a trade route. We'll just call it C-470. And they come around to this city called Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony established by Antony and Octavius a few years earlier to be a retirement community for veterans and their families, of veterans of the military. And so we'll call it Colorado Springs. Are you with me? Now, it's a city of about 10,000. And half of them are somehow involved in military. Most of them retired. Paul and Silas go in. And by the way, it's Timothy that we learned earlier has joined them. And this is interesting. If you're a Bible geek, it's the first time in the, gospel, in the book of Acts that we see the, the plural pronoun we. Which means that Luke, the doctor who wrote the book of Acts, is with them. So he's eyewitness now to all these things. We... Our, the strategy was on the Sabbath to go look for a synagogue. But in Philippi, there is no building rented or built or otherwise that's a synagogue, probably because they did not have 10 Jewish men in the city. But what they do discover is that there's a place of prayer down by the Crinides River where a group of God-fearing and Jewish women are praying. 
Paul and Silas preach the news of Jesus, that he came, that he died, that he rose again, that he ascended, and he's in charge of everything. And there's a woman there, person number one, there's going to be three people today, this is number one, named Lydia. And Lydia, she hears the gospel and says, that makes sense to me. I want to follow Jesus and I want to be baptized. Or, as you can see in the text, what really happened is the Lord opened her heart. And she became a follower of Jesus. Now, three things Luke wants us to know about Jesus, about Lydia. First, she's a God-fearing person. So probably not a Jew. But she uh, knows and senses that the Jewish people probably knew the true God or had connections from the past to the true God. And so she's showing up at a Jewish prayer group. Second, it says she's uh, wealthy, a dealer in purple. Now, in the ancient world, purple was the status of wealth. Purple clothes, purple drapes, purple rugs. And it was very expensive to have anything purple because typically to make purple, you had to get a bunch of shellfish, smush them down. There was a dye in a shellfish, and then you would dye the clothes. But in Thyatira, where Lydia's from, Thyatira, that's in Asia, they had, in a Famous in the ancient world discovered a plant called the madder plant, M-A-D-D-E-R. And uh, they were able to dye things purple a lot more accessibly and lower cost. So it's Costco purple. (laughs) And she franchises from Thyatira uh, here to Philippi and becomes a very, very wealthy business owner. So much so that as you see, she has a large house and she begins to house the mission team. The other thing that's important to know is, as we've said, she was from Asia. She was from a city in Thyatira, so she is an immigrant living in the city of Philippi. There's Lydia. God opens her heart. Happy Ascension Day. That's the power when a person who has everything still realizes they need something and more, and they open their heart, and God opens their heart, and all of a sudden their whole life and their wealth is at the disposal of Jesus. That's ascension power. Well, we go from Lydia to our next person, because um, they continue to go down to the river to uh, preach Jesus, and soon there's a young girl who starts to uh, follow the mission team, and she keeps yelling, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they are proclaiming the way of salvation. And the text says she does this day after day after day. Now, who is this young girl? Well, she has a gift. In the ancient world, they called it second sight. She is able to see beyond the physical world and see into the spiritual world. She's able thus to see into the future. And she's enslaved to a bunch of despicable, or I don't know if it was a bunch, but despicable men who were using her to tell fortunes. There's other ancient literature that you can read about foretelling and soothsaying in the ancient world, and it was known to make as much as 200 drachma a day. A drachma was one day's wage. So this woman is making her owners a bunch of money. And uh, She starts yelling this day after day. Paul has had enough. (laughs) The text in the the NIV says annoyed. I I think it's more, the word's usually translated uh, uh, burdened or desperate. So I think Paul is is annoyed by the demon for sure that 
that's helped, given her this second sight. But I also think that Paul is very distressed for this young girl's situation. And he looks at her and he says, in the name of Jesus, happy Ascension Day. Come out. And the demon comes out. And this girl is delivered from slavery, from oppression, from a demonic hold. That's the power of Jesus. Happy Ascension Day. Well, what's interesting is it goes on from here, and in a moment we're going to meet our third guest this morning uh, that displays Ascension power. But before that, just the woman's, you know, is delivered from this demon, this young girl, and the owners are not pleased. They are losing their income. In fact, Luke, he, he's very good at writing prescriptions, no doubt. He's also a pretty good writer. And he uses the same word that described the deeming coming out of the girl. It literally says, and the income came out of the men. <laughs> John Stott says that Jesus exercised their income. That's pretty good. Well, they're not happy. And so they drag Paul and Silas to the day court, always open, daylight hours, and uh, before the magistrates. And what's interesting is they don't tell the truth. They, you know, we know the motive here is greed. What they do is they trump up some charges. They say, these Jews, what do you hear there? Jews, racism anti-Semitism, and then they're saying, they're telling Romans to do inappropriate things. What's that? Nationalism? Romans don't do these things. And so you have these trumped-up charges that incite the crowd at the day court. They start a mob, and the magistrates reacting to the mob, they have Paul and Silas beaten with rods. No easy way around it. Think bruises, blood, think crack ribs, and broken shins, Paul and Silas. Um, now we meet our third person, the jailkeeper, because it seems what the magistrates thought is, we'll just throw these guys in jail for a night, teach them Roman civics, and we'll be, everyone, and they'll leave, we'll be on with our lives. The jailkeeper, who's the jailkeeper? Probably a retired military man. That was the pension often for retired military, was to work in some kind of civic structure. Probably a man very familiar with cruelty and brutality. He had a family. What we know is that when he received Paul and Silas, he did not dress their wounds. He threw them into the inner cell, which was a hole in the ground, covered up, very low air, and very dark. They're in there, it's probably been six to eight hours since they were beaten, they're sitting, it's midnight, the text says, midnight, and what happens? An earthquake. When this happens, did you notice what Paul and Silas are doing? Singing hymns. I want you to just sit in that poise for a moment. Beaten, broken, bleeding. Oh, I forgot, they're in stocks. 
The stalks were not to keep them from running. There's no way they could get out of a cell in the ground. The stalks are there for torture. There's just evidence all in the ancient world when they used this word stalks. It was uh, legs in um, uh, wide um, uh, pieces of wood with uh, poles in them to adjust. And the, the goal was to spread your legs so far that your hips don't dislocate, but that your legs are in constant cramp. Can you, how many leg cramps do we have in the room? Have ever had a leg cramp? The goal was to produce leg cramps. This is torture. And what are they doing? They're singing hymns. Wonder what they sang. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Just as I am without one fee, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I wonder what they were singing. That's why we sing hymns, by the way, so that on the worst day of your life you'll have language. Earthquake, stocks break, chains fall, doors open. The jailkeeper lived at the prison and was responsible on pain of death for the prisoners. He comes in and the text said when he runs in, he's carrying a sword. Could be that he's thinking he might have to defend himself, but the sense of it is that if his prisoners are gone, his life's over. So let's just end it now. Paul yells out, we're still here. And not me and Silas, like, everyone's still here. Don't do anything stupid. Paul and Silas and who knows how many prisoners, a handful maybe, in this inner cell, they're all still there. And we know exactly what's happening in this moment, right? We know this exchange. We know this exchange. What's happening here is that because Paul and Silas and the prisoners don't run, the jailkeeper gets to live. What's happening here is because Paul and Silas absorb the cost of the beatings and torture they've endured, and they don't run, they absorb it, the jailkeeper gets to live. What's happening here is that the jailkeeper knows that Paul and Silas know that the only reason he's still alive is because choices made by Paul and Silas to forgive. 2006 in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, a gunman breaks into an Amish schoolhouse and shoots 10 girls between the ages of 7 and 13. Five of them die. Then he turns the gun on himself. That night, the Amish community show up at the parents of the shooter and they say, you've lost a child too. We are here for you. We support you. We forgive you. Three days later, when the shooter has a funeral, the Amish community shows up and they tell his young wife and three young children, we are with you, we will support you, we will help you raise your children, we forgive your son. It made news around the world. What we didn't know is that four years later there was a book written called Amish Grace not by Christian writers. 
And they researched the whole incident and they researched the, uh, the insights into the Amish community. And what they concluded near the end of the book is that what we have here in the Amish community through this incident is a look at a religious movement whose central event is a man dying on the cross forgiving his murderers. And so anyone who follows that man will have forgiveness as the central attitude and action of their lives. The jailkeeper says, whatever they have, I need. What must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe. Look at Jesus and live. And he does, and immediately, happy Ascension Day! What does he do? He tends the wounds of Paul and Silas. He brings them into his house, which was illegal to house a prisoner in your own living quarters. He feeds them, Sophie read it, a festive meal. And then he gets baptized. Talk about transformation. Talk about ascension power. Then real quick tidbit, and then we'll get to the two lessons. The first sit-in in the New Testament happens. Did you catch that? The magistrates thinking, okay, it's time to release. They've learned their lesson. Let's send some police down. Tell the jailkeeper to release them. Jailkeeper goes in. Hey, you guys are free to go. And Paul says, the text is, the English is quite nice. The, the Greek is more like, heck no. We ain't leaving. Paul makes two demands. Oh, 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 oh. First he says, I'm a Roman citizen. Let's bring in the voice of Cicero, a Roman lawyer. To bind a Roman citizen is a crime. To flog a Roman citizen is an abomination. This changes everything. And the magistrates are now scared for their job because they've done something illegal. They're now the criminals. And so Paul makes two demands. He says, we are not leaving until we get a public apology and until we're publicly escorted by the prison by the magistrates. They accede to his wishes quickly. And they walk out, and they go right to Lydia's house. Thus ends the story. Happy Ascension Day, Lydia! Happy Ascension Day, slave girl! Happy Ascension Day, military man! What do we learn? Two things. One, the gospel, the ascending Ascended Jesus has amazing power to bring together people from all different backgrounds. Did you catch that? Walk through it with me. You can even shout out things if you want. This is like free discussion here. Let's go through the differences in the three people racially. Lydia is an Asian. The slave girl is a Greek. The military man is a Roman. Different races. Let's go through it socially. Where's Lydia? Rich. What's your name? Ben. Right on, Ben. 
top rung. Where's the slave girl? Bottom rung. Does anyone even know where she is? Where's the military man? As a military brat, I would humbly propose lower middle class as a military brat. How about socially? Lydia, mega connected. Slave girl, no connections. Military man, deep brotherhood. How about spiritually? Lydia, seeker, wondering about God. How about slave girl, demoniac? How about military man? If I have my country and my family, it's all I need. Do you see the power of the ascended Jesus to bring people from such diverse backgrounds together as one family? In fact, at Lydia's house, they're now called brothers and sisters. And real quick, before we make it home with a point, that whole thing about the sit-in, what do you think Paul was doing there? You understand, right? He could have said at the very beginning, before the beating started, hey, I'm a Roman citizen, can't touch this. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Why did he not say he's a Roman citizen until after the beating and the night in jail? This, this, whose kid is this? Start saving for seminary. <laughs> right on. The scholars, the commentators said that what Paul's doing here is brilliant, essential leadership. He's doing two things. One, he knows that as the gospel goes city to city now, that Christians are going to have to pay for preaching the gospel with beatings and jail. I mean, most of the New Testament's written from jail cell. What's Paul doing? He's saying, as a leader does, I'm first. Solidarity. I'm not going to take my pass when most people in the early church will not have a pass. And so we're going through this together. Second thing, <laughs> I think Paul's brilliant here because <laughs> how scared are the magistrates now? <laughs> Don't you think he's locking in favor for this fledgling church in Philippi who's going to experience more mob and more riot and more accusations? But the magistrates are going to be thinking in the back of their minds, wait a minute, we kind of blew it here that first time. They're going to give Philippi a little space to grow. And they're going to do that because Paul took a beating. Here's my question to you this morning. Based on that, lesson <laughs> how important is the church to you how important are you committed to the church being a place where racial and economic and spiritual and social divisions are being broken down teared down are you the kind of person that'll get on our website and see our 18 different local ministries and say, I'm going to do one of these this year, just one. I'm going to give money. I'm going to show up. I'm going to 
work and, and break down these barriers because I know this is the mission. I want to see ascension power in my life and working through my life. Are you committed to the church being that kind of place? And commitment is showing up and giving your resources. Are you committed to the mission of the bride of Christ? Second lesson, it's not only that uh, the ascending Jesus is giving, uh, breaking, uh, bringing in people from all different backgrounds, but we also see that he is also, uh, the ascending Jesus is giving a message that reaches anyone and everyone. This gospel message reaches everyone and anyone. I mean, again, how different were these three folks? Lydia had everything, like our neighbors. Every material resource needed to live, on paper, everything they need, but something in her was still hungry for more. You have neighbors like that. And so let me ask you, do you believe that the mention of the name of Jesus in a conversation with your neighbors could actually bring in ascension power to that moment, plant Jesus into their lives, and then see as it said with Lydia, see if God will open their heart. I'm asking you, do you believe that the message of Jesus and in his name there's that kind of power? And the answer is, well, you say yes, but do you do it? Are you willing to bring Jesus into conversations with people who have everything? Neighbor on, Waterstone. Neighbor on. Pray Engage, welcome. Do you believe that people who are so low and suffering in life like the slave girl, do you believe that speaking the name of Jesus into their life can produce something startling? Maybe a miracle. Maybe the miracle of endurance. Maybe the miracle of sitting in stalks and singing hymns. But do you believe in the name of Jesus there's power for people who are in bad ways? Do you believe? Will you show up and pray in the name of Jesus? Neighbor on, Waterstone. Neighbor on. Happy Ascension Day. For Lydia, she found that her beauty is in Jesus. For the slave girl, she found that her power is in Jesus. And for the military man, he found that the forgiveness to soften his heart was in Jesus. What about you? What about you? Happy Ascension Day. Will you trust him? Can we bow our heads? As the praise team comes, we're going to sing one more song. Before we do, I just want to give everyone an opportunity to invite Jesus into their lives. I want an opportunity to, to claim that ascension power. I want an opportunity to say to Jesus, wherever you're coming from, boy, if the story doesn't say anything, it says that wherever you're coming from, Jesus is waiting for you. I'm uh, getting to be an old guy. And when I was growing up, at the end of services in many of the churches, this military brat 
was pleased to attend. We would close the service by singing an invitation. It went something like this, and as I sing it, and if any of you know it, join me. If you don't, and if you want to connect with Jesus today, when we get to the end, there's this phrase that says, I come, O Lamb of God, I come. And wherever you're coming from today, if you want Jesus, just say that line to him. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Lord Jesus, we pray that right now and in this moment, that anyone who's looking to you, you would open their heart, you would make yourself plain and clear, and call hearts to yourself. And Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege of ascension power. And may we this week, in our commitments to church and our commitments to our neighbor, may we see you work. Amen.